welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck, and be more confident in your 30s. I am so excited for this week's guest episode. I feel like I've been waiting for it for a few weeks since I reached out to her and we booked the call and the recording and it's on a topic that I think is going to be relevant for so many of my audience and I know that a lot of my clients really struggle with this and there's also topics within this podcast episode that are relevant no matter what your relationship status. So today's topic is talking all about turning 30 and relationship anxiety And as you'll sure hear in the episode, because I am going to share things about my relationships and things that I've also experienced, I think that it's a topic that I have a lot to say on and I really care a lot about it. I think that as women in our 30s, we often experience a greater amount of anxiety when it comes to our relationships because of the pressure that we put on ourselves for the relationship to be a certain way and to meet certain deadlines and for a relationship to work out for fear of being alone and things like biological clock and then let's not talk about all of society's pressures that are placed on us as well. So it's a really loaded topic and I'm so fortunate that Sarah took time today to talk to me about it and I'm really excited to dive into the episode. Just before I introduce Sarah, I want to remind you that Things like relationship anxiety and anxiety in general, whether it be towards other facets of life, whether it's careers, whether it's just general, whether it's lifestyle, money, friends, all the different topics. I have a foolproof way of really learning how to manage anxiety and that is by teaching all of my clients how to coach themselves, how to manage their minds, how to manage their emotions and as I'm sure you'll hear on the episodes that you listen to here, there's amazing things waiting on the other side of really delving in and stepping up and doing the work on yourself. So I do want to invite you to look at my Turning 30 one-on-one coaching program and come to a call if it's something that you're interested in, if relationship anxiety or any other areas of your life you want to work on and you have goals and things that you want to achieve and you're at the point where you know that having that guided and tailored support is going to help you then I really urge you to book in a call with me the link is in the show notes or you can also go over to my instagram page at turning 30 coach and connect with me there I'm always happy to hear from my audience and my community so please feel free to reach out and say hi to me so let me introduce sarah Sarah Yudkin, founder of You Love and You Learn, is a relationship anxiety coach who's passionate about helping people feel content, which she defines as peacefully happy in their relationships. She went from feeling anxious, doubtful, and uncertain in her own relationship to feeling a much deeper sense of commitment, fulfillment, and optimism that she dreamed was possible. Since then, she's helped over 750 people from 35 countries through online coaching, courses, and webinars. The You Love and You Learn community consists of over 220,000 people on a journey to show up more intentionally in their relationships. And I really think those figures speak for themselves and how important this topic is. So let's dive into this week's episode. 
Hi, Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here because I am a bit fangirling over your Instagram over the past few months. So I was really happy when you said that you would like to come on and share because I think that the topic that you coach on and I'd love you to explain a little bit about how you got to talking about relationship anxiety and working with with clients on it. I think it's something that isn't spoken about enough. And when I actually saw your Instagram, firstly, I was like, wow, this is such a good example of a, of a coaching niche, <laughs> which I think is like always nice to see when someone niches down. And also, yeah, like it was so relevant and maybe personally relevant for me, which I, I'm sure I'll share during the, the episode. But I would love to hear, in your own words, a little introduction and how you came to work with clients on relationship anxiety. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I have been very grateful that my Instagram has grown to the community that it has because when I first was experiencing this anxiety in my relationship, which I'll explain here in a second, I didn't know that anyone else thought about the same things, let alone now, you know, tens of almost now over 100,000 people who are, you know, resonating with the message. And so for me, as the community on my page grows, it always just is such a powerful reminder that you're really never alone in what you're going through. And so that's to me, like the coolest part of all of this, but to give a little bit of my story. So I am a relationship anxiety coach, and I came about that because I needed help with my own relationship anxiety. And so I am now heading into year seven with my boyfriend, Nate. And at the beginning of our relationship, we clicked immediately and we got introduced by friends of friends and everything kind of was going great. And I would say at the beginning of our relationship, I was very optimistic. Everything felt like, oh, wow, this person's someone who I could see myself with. I'm excited about it. And once things started getting more serious, maybe after about a year or so after I love yous were shared, after we started meeting each other's families, you know, people started asking questions like, oh, do you think he's the one? And are you guys going to move in together? We were doing distance at the time. So that was a factor of like, oh, are you guys going to move to the same city? And so there was my own internal pressure. Uh, My parents had gotten divorced. And so I had this pressure of, well, I need to find the perfect partner and make sure I don't do that. And then there was outer pressure of, oh, ooh, this is exciting. Are you really excited too? And, you know, it got into my head for sure. And I am an introspective person. I like to think things through. I would definitely identify as a high achiever, perfectionist, you know, someone who sets goals and achieves them. And I found myself really confused and uncertain and people were saying things like, I just knew my partner was the one and when you know, you know, and all of this certainty that they had and I didn't have any of that or I would have it in certain moments and then it would feel like it was completely taken away. And so long story short, I dealt with this for over two years and then it got to a place where I was so anxious that I even told my boyfriend, Nate, I'm not sure I love you the same anymore. And I was sobbing and had this huge like breakdown, if you will. And that's kind of when in that moment, I knew something had to change because he was meeting me with such kindness, such compassion, such love in that moment. Don't know how he did that. Like if someone told me the same thing, I wouldn't have been able to react the same way, but his support and love for me in that moment 
and all the other moments of the relationship really solidified like this is someone who I want to be with so what's going on here and that kind of led the quest for me to understand and then once I started understanding it for myself I started sharing about this experience to others and people were like can you help me with this and so I kind of took it as an idea well maybe I can and maybe that's something that I want to transition into doing so that's kind of the birth story of you love and you learn. Oh, I love a birth story of in coaching where the mess becomes the message and obviously you lived through it. And just for all the listeners to know, Sarah has over 100,000 followers on, on Instagram. So I think that really, really does show how if you're listening and you do or have in the past experienced relationship anxiety or it's something you're going through right now, how really you're not alone. And the thing that came up for me the most when you were introducing yourself is societal pressure that pressure that we are under with the questions with the when are you moving in together when are you going to get engaged when are you going to get married all the timeline pressures which I speak a lot about with my content and my coaching and how we internalize that pressure as well so it's not just the external pressure it's also pressure coming from ourselves and how overwhelming that can be do you have anything to say about society's pressures because for me I think it's one of the biggest things that drives people into panicking about turning 30 and I can imagine it's one of the biggest drivers that causes people to panic about being in a relationship and having anxiety. Yeah well I think what comes up around some of these timeline pressures I don't know if you would agree with this is that there's this desire to want to do the right thing and so I think it's coming from a well-intended place of like oh yeah I just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing and doing what's normal and kind of fitting in to an extent you know there's rewards when people are kind of doing like the kind of standard thing and everyone's like oh you got engaged and like those are the photos that get the most likes you know on Instagram or mm-hmm. oh you are like have deciding to like have a family and have a baby like that's so exciting it's like those things get rewarded and then these unconventional paths because they're unfamiliar to people they're not really talked about as much so you question am I doing something wrong like if I have these doubts does that mean something bad and and so I think there's a well-intended desire to do the good or right thing that comes up in some of this stuff. And so if you feel like you're going against the grain, then for someone who is like a people pleaser or someone who just does want to kind of fit in and have this so-called normal life that they think is expected, then it can feel like they're unworthy or doing something bad and shameful. Exactly. I think as well, there are some, I work with some clients who they exactly like you said, there's a lot of shoulds of what other people are doing and a lot of reward for doing those things, but they really don't want to do it. And they feel almost like confronted about being different. You know, obviously we know from psychology that non-conforming is really challenging and it's primitively like hard for our brains to be different to other people. But then I also have the other type of client that does want to do those things or doesn't know if they want to do it or not but because society has been so loud and influential they would never even think about you know being alternative or doing going on a different path but I know I completely agree with you I think it is so crazy especially if we just talk about specifically relationships how much attention people get for taking those steps and how probably on the flip side of that when people are in relationships and they're not taking those steps, 
the negative attention that gets, especially from family members, especially from the generations above us. I do like to think, and I, I wonder what you think of this, that for our generation and below, things are improving. People are becoming more open-minded and the having to have done marriage by 30 and kids by 35 is, is becoming a bit less prevalent, but it's definitely still there. And I think that it's something that can really emphasize what's the word exaggerate these feelings and probably make the anxiety so much worse yeah especially like I said for that person who just wants to do the right thing and I think a common question is almost every question that I get like the undertone of the question is is this normal or is this okay and it's like people are wanting permission (laughs) to do something because they don't think that it is something they have permission for so I do think that to answer your question that our generation is starting to talk about more of these things and there's more information, which can both be a good or not so good thing because information overload. But I think the more people who are able to have these open conversations about an experience that's slightly different than the norm, then the more I think people will feel like they have permission to do the same or at least not follow someone else's path, but just to try their own path and feel like they can see what happens. Because I mean, I'm not here to say that just because I chose to stay in my relationship, that everyone else should. That's definitely Mm. not my message. It's more so giving you permission to explore for yourself instead of the narrative, which is like, well, if you have any doubts, like just break up with them, dump them bestie, like get them out of here, you're settling. And I think it's just permission to like slow down, take your time and think about how you want to show up with a little bit more intentionality versus like responding because someone on TikTok told you that like your relationship, you know? Oh my my God, I have so much that I want to unpack with you, especially about the kind of the sayings of like what you just said, that if it's not, if you get one feeling, it's obviously not right and all of those things and also about settling. But before we even dive into that, and I know we've been you've been alluding to it a lot already, but can we really define what it means to have relationship anxiety? And maybe when we think about what relationship anxiety is, how that can manifest in reality, like how obviously I'm sure it's different for everybody. But what do you see are the most common features of somebody who would be coming to you and working with you? Yeah. And I'll give a disclaimer as well that what I'm talking about here is for like a healthy relationship. And I know not everyone knows if they're in a healthy situation, but what I mean is like the absence of abuse. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not trying to normalize someone like staying in a relationship again if they're literally feeling like they're, you know, not being treated well. So that's not what I'm talking about. But my experience of relationship anxiety was this kind of like constant questioning and doubt about whether or not I was in the quote, quote, right relationship because I thought it was either like there is a right relationship or a wrong one and I was looking at very black and white terms and so how that can manifest is a lot of intrusive thoughts like am I attracted enough do I love them enough am I sure that this is the right person for me are they the one like really getting caught up in that thinking and then that can also show up as body symptoms such as like a tightness in your chest like you wake up and you just have this sinking anxiety and then if you happen to be waking up next to your partner you're like oh well this must mean it's because i'm waking up next to them it's like you create a lot of stories about every single body response and exactly what it means so i would say it's both mental and physical and then it kind of results in part as a lack of trusting yourself and looking to 
external sources, whether it's social media or friends or family or just like the Google searches to try and determine what is right for you. And I have so much empathy for that because I was in that same boat. So it's not a bad thing, but it's kind of like this desperate search for an answer and thinking that someone has that answer. And if you just search hard enough, like someone will get me the answer about whether or not my relationship is right or not. And you know what? Whereas whilst you were speaking, I was just thinking relationship anxiety is really hard one to manage without support because firstly, you feel extreme guilt because like you said, you're waking up next to this person and most likely most of the anxiety that's being experienced isn't being shared with them, especially mm-hmm. if it's something new or something that hasn't been spoken about in the relationship before. So you automatically feel like you're keeping this really big secret from the mm-hmm. one person that you are quote unquote supposed to tell everything to. Mm-hmm. And I think the second thing is that you feel like you can't really tell your family and your friends because if you share it with them, then what if they now form an opinion and think that you shouldn't be with the person? So it feels like it's such a it's such a complicated situation. And I'm sure that's why people resonate so much with what you speak about because it must feel really lonely to actually go through that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot. I mean, I had a therapist who in some forms was like, well, are you sure that you want to be in this relationship? You know, it's like she didn't necessarily try to tell me I shouldn't be, but she was just asking questions like that, which to the anxious mind, you're like, well, I don't know. That's I don't know the answer. And so that can be really scary. And then in extreme situations, there's people that will say, well, yeah, it doesn't sound like you do love this person and actually give an opinion and that of how you should move forward. And so I completely resonate and empathize with like not wanting to share. And I also was scared to tell Nate exactly how I was feeling. And that's kind of how I ended up almost like word vomiting, you know, that extreme case, which was like tearful. And I don't know if I love you the same. That could have probably been broken up into smaller chunks throughout if I was a little bit more comfortable sharing. And I said stuff like, well, I'm kind of anxious about things or I don't know if I would be ready to get married because my parents got a divorce. It's like I kind of like was tiptoeing around the subject because I didn't really want to hurt, to your point, his feelings. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's a way to bring it up. And I have a blog post on this called Telling Your Partner About Relationship Anxiety. You can bring it up in a way that's more focused on you and your experience, not them. And so like I'm anxious about XYZ in relationships as a whole and that manifests in kind of our relationship. And I just wanted to talk through that and let you know, but I, I'm working on it, whatever it is. It's like, we don't need to get too sidetracked into that conversation. But I think that there is a way if someone's listening to this and they're like, well, how could I maybe start that dialogue? So it doesn't become something that erupts later on. I think there's ways to do it a little bit more (laughs) gracefully than I did. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's really important as part of a relationship obviously we all know communication is very important part of a relationship but to know to have practical tools that you obviously can share in your blog post maybe I'll link it in the in the show notes that it is possible to open up those conversations and have those conversations now I think I'm actually curious do most people who have relationship anxiety suffer from relationship uh, from anxiety outside of relationships is that like something that you know they may be anxious just as a person in general and then that's coming through it more in their relationship or can it just be not connected to that at all it can be not connected but for most people that I work with directly they can acknowledge that in many areas they're indecisive or in many areas they 
are, you know, not good with uncertainty or in many areas, like they are the type of person that likes to have a plan or whatever it is. It's like, or they're the type of person that likes to get someone's opinion about other things, you know? So there's usually some links to other parts of their life, but I think that relationships are such a important part of the puzzle for people. So they can oftentimes be more meaningful. Like at work, if you take a long time to write an email because you're like indecisive or you're worried about what people think, maybe it doesn't bother you as much as when you're trying to ask yourself, well, do I want to move forward in this romantic relationship? Like the stakes can feel higher sometimes in the romantic relationship, which is, I think, what brings people in to this work. But then they can, underneath the surface, realize that a lot of this stuff is not just about relationships, but it's how they view the world or their patterns and beliefs. Yeah. Wow. It's so true. And I do think that this isn't the case for everyone. And obviously we can really like generalize, but there is more weight on romantic relationships, I feel, especially for my audience, women in their 30s, where I'm working a lot with women also on careers and there's definitely emphasis on on working life and, and careers and business and things like this. But there's something about like how huge it is to make those big life decisions and who your partner is going to be. And mm-hmm. I think that it's fair to say that romantic relationships do hold more weight than other areas of our lives, especially if it doesn't feel picture perfect. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that came up for me as you were just sharing that is I've heard the message so many times and I've seen people post this on reels or things like that, that the most important decision you'll ever make is who you want to marry or commit to. Whereas like at work, you kind of are under the assumption that even if this doesn't go well, like I can probably pivot and try something else or like I can apply for a new job or whatever it is. Whereas the weight of a relationship ending, I think we've built up in our culture as like this failure or the ultimate thing that like you messed up. And earlier I spoke about how my parents got divorced and I was afraid of that, but I've had to do a lot of unraveling of that message that I was giving myself, which is that a divorce is a failure. And I no longer believe that is true because if you are constantly in fear of getting a divorce, that's how you're going to be operating in your relationship instead of I want to build this relationship with someone. You're almost like, I don't want to get divorced. And so it's like you're moving away from something you're afraid of instead of moving towards something that you want to create. It's so funny because my parents are also divorced and it had the opposite effect of me. Whereas I've been like in my romantic relationships, like, okay, it might not last forever. My parents got divorced. Like, you know, this person might be my person for now and it might be the person I have a family with and then potentially... I might, you know, there might be a a chapter B, who knows? So it's so funny to see, like when we're talking about coaching terms, like divorce is something neutral and we each decide how to think about that and then how that seeps through and feeds through into our romantic relationships. And it's funny because I think that hearing your perception of it, and also I have, I have several clients who also really were struggling to get into romantic relationships because of their their feelings about divorce. It was one of my recent clients, it was a sibling of hers who got divorced and it had become this like huge, big mark on the family or what she, what she thought about divorce. And I feel like, yeah, it's just so important to remind yourself that you can work on it. Like if you have a perception of something that isn't serving you and it's not serving your relationship and you can do that awareness work to reflect and uncover what it is then it absolutely can change and maybe you can share a little bit about how you were able to to change that and deal with the fact that 
you had those beliefs about divorce and now you you're in a healthy seven-year relationship yeah i love that before i answer your question i just wanted to put a pin in like elaborate on what you're saying there because i think it's so important like clients will come to me who their parents are still together and they have this so-called quote quote perfect relationship or people will come to me and have divorced parents and both of them are still experiencing anxiety And so it's not just the circumstances that you went through. It's also your response and reaction to those and the stories that you're creating. And so I love that you shared that example with me because it's actually very rare that I hear someone with that mindset of like, oh, yeah, I'm at peace if this happens because I've seen it happen before. That's not usually (laughs) the type of mindset that someone is coming to me with, which is, again, not right or wrong. But how I kind of started to unpack that and deconstruct it a little bit. I realized that I was getting a lot of anxiety around this what if we get divorced. And I had to start paying attention to where my what ifs were going. And that kind of led me to some of the fears, like the core fears I believe that I had. And when I asked myself questions like, well, why would that be a problem if I got a divorce? And if you go a few layers deeper, I was telling myself that that would have meant that I failed and that I was a failure essentially, which is, again, I was like, well, is that true? Like, do I think my mom is a failure and my dad is a failure? No, but I was putting that expectation on myself. And not only did I have a fear of getting divorced, what was even beyond that was I had a fear that I would be the one that eventually led to a divorce happening because of my inability to be in a healthy relationship essentially. And so beyond that, a couple layers deeper of like, well, why, why does that scare me? Or well, where did I get that story? It was this kind of fear of I'm not good enough to be a healthy, loving partner. Mm. So it's like these core fears were deeper than just, oh, well, I don't want to get a divorce. It's like, no, like that would mean that I'm viewing myself as a failure and that I'm not good enough. And so that was the stuff I actually had to start acknowledging. And I I don't say that my fear of unworthiness or failure has just gone away, but when you can kind of see more clearly that these fears are driving your actions and behaviors, you can at least just have more compassion with yourself that somewhere inside is like this scared part of you that just wants to feel safe. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's a really good example of the layers of our subconscious mind that we just sometimes, we're not aware of it. You were just in that thought of, I'm scared of getting divorced, but there was so much more going on. So yeah, I think that it's a really great example of being able to actually reframe. But before you even reframe, you had to get to the point where you really understood yourself. So I want to move on to guessing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the most popular question that you get asked when you come on podcasts or when people message you is how do you know when it's, wrong and how do you know if it's anxiety Mm -hmm. and wait have I asked that correctly basically how do you know if you should stay or you should go if the anxiety (laughs) is true or not I just completely messed up what was supposed to be a really good question apologies everyone (laughs) it was was good (laughs) but I'm presuming everyone understands me so yeah like a does that is that a question that you get asked a lot and b how (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it is. And I was blown away because I created this webinar called Is It Anxiety or Incompatibility? And over 700 people from like 40 countries bought this webinar. Oh, you were one of them. I bought it as well. It's it's one of those things where it's like universally in 40 different countries, like everyone's asking the same question. And it's some flavor of 
is this a red flag or is this just not the right person for me? And that you did ask the question pretty much exactly how people are asking it. So you didn't butcher that. But the disclaimer I want to give is that there isn't a one size fits all formula for this. And so I came up with a framework of how I think about incompatibilities based on my research and just kind of my own understanding in my relationship. But that doesn't mean that my interpretation is the only right one. But here are some things for people to consider. So I view incompatibility as when there are differences in maybe either your values, your vision for how you want life to look, or your boundaries that you can't accept or respect. So for example, like you could be in a relationship with someone that has a completely different spiritual or religious belief. And that can actually be totally fine. But if you can't accept or respect that difference, then it could be an incompatibility. So if someone wants to have kids and someone doesn't, then you might not be able to accept or respect that person's viewpoint because that directly goes in opposition of what your values or your vision is for your life. So if you feel like you're having to give up this big, important part of yourself in order to be in this relationship, then I do think that's worth looking at. And that could be a potential incompatibility. Whereas I think some of the things that get branded as, oh, they're just not the one, this isn't the right relationship, which I talk about may not necessarily be incompatibilities are irritations about that person or the imperfections about that person, their flaws and their personality differences from you. Like Nate and I have different personalities in many ways, but they also are very complementary. So unless your personality difference is falling into the category of like it breaks your values, your life vision or your boundaries, then it doesn't have to be an incompatibility. And I think that's what people it's like we're looking with this magnifying glass of, ooh, is this a red flag? Is this a red flag? And I think there's a level of perfectionism happening in there where it's like, well, if I just found the perfect partner, that's exactly what I'm looking for and manifest this dream person that like doesn't have any flaws and all of that. I just think that we've gotten a little bit too carried away with like, well, I wrote out this perfect partner list and I got everything I wanted. And now people are thinking that they can just kind of swap out person A for person B, who is just going to be this perfect person. And I don't believe that there's a person that has zero irritations or flaws or differences from you because we're all human and unique. So that was kind of a lot, but I'm sure there's parts of that that you want to respond to so we can just go from there. (laughs) It's so good, everything that you're saying. And just to clarify, is it accept and respect or it can be one or the other? I mean, I think that at the base level would be acceptance. Like, can you accept it or not? And if you can't, then being honest with yourself But respecting would be like kind of one step further of like, okay, well, like I accept that. And I also respect that you're this unique person and you have this different of opinion. I think like political beliefs, for example, it's like that can get really wonky. But people, I think, especially in the last few years, like are just like, well, if they did this, if they did that, like I couldn't be with them. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's like, okay, but can you accept that even if you don't? you know, fully respect it. And again, it's like, that can be a a wonky subject. I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't do it, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we're viewing someone who has opposite political beliefs as like so different from us when actually we agree on most things, but there's a couple of differences. And so we just label them as like, oh, well, that person couldn't be compatible with me. Yeah. And I think this is an amazing framework that you've come up with. And I think that this is what's missing sometimes when people have anxiety that they may be 
or a fear or like a urge to end the relationship, almost like an impulse and like an impulsive behavior of thinking, okay, because I'm having all these thoughts, like I want to leave. And then instead of just acting on that to come and have like some sort of guidance of, okay, I can almost like, we know it's not one size fits all, but just looking and seeing, okay, like, can I really establish, is this that you said something that I can accept or is it something that I can't? And I remember, you know, just for context for you and most of my listeners already know this, but I came out of a four-year relationship where we were like planning being married and, and having kids. And I think a lot I had a lot of relationship anxiety in that relationship. And I would ask that question all the time. Is it anxiety or is it just not the right relationship? And on some part of the journey through the eventual ending of the relationship, somebody said to me something along the lines of, are you compromising your core values? Like are the things that are missing in this relationship actually go compromising something that is central and key to who you are as a person. And that filter did change everything for me. And I think it's very similar to what you're saying. And you, you mentioned values at the start. And, and when I actually had the courage to answer that question, which took a while and a very long process, the answer was yes. Cause the things that were missing was communication and something that was very important to me you know I'm a life coach I like talking like my whole life is about emotional intelligence and you know the mind and social connections and communication and I was like wow that's like the most central thing to me as a person there isn't anything more central which eventually led me to understand okay this is incompatible because fundamentally it's not there so that's something that I did want to add I think that values actually is so much more important than the list that you're talking about. The list of, he's this tall, he has this job, he's from this place, he speaks this many languages. And I think that's really important to acknowledge that values are just something that is really important to get clear on. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing more about that with me. I really appreciate you going into that part of your story. And I think that brings me to a really good point that I want to you know, underline for people, which is that sometimes it takes time to get to that answer for yourself and not trying to rush to that answer. Because I think when you ask the question, is it anxiety or incompatibility or another question that I know that you wanted to potentially bring up is like, is it anxiety or my intuition trying to tell me something? And I think with both of those, we have this desire to know right now exactly the right answer. And as I've kind of alluded to, I don't think that anyone else can give you that answer. Of course, there can be a framework and someone can say something that sparks you, but it's your choice and your decision. And it does involve a level of like trust that even if I don't know the answer, I'll be okay no matter what. But I think that we try to force an answer sometimes. And Brene Brown has this great quote, I'm going to butcher it, but she talks about how like sometimes you just need more information before you make a decision. And sometimes part of listening to your intuition is actually knowing when to pause and collect more information. And I think for me, when I moved forward with Nate, I was like, I think I have all the information that I'm going to have right now. And so I just was like, all right, well, I don't have anything that is really making me feel like an incompatibility. But there's things that have come up repeatedly that if they became an issue in the future, I have to trust my future self to handle that. But right here and right now, there isn't anything. And then for you, you gave a great example of like, well, right here and right now, there are some things that are feeling like they're missing and like there are a core part of who I am fundamentally. 
And so when people, like you said, can get honest about that, I think there's so much power, but it does sometimes involve patience if you feel like the answer isn't clear instead of trying to rush. Yes, patience is such an important one. And I think because firstly, we're living in a world today where everything is so immediate, you know, like if you have, if you want to do something, you can just do it straight away. And therefore, when you feel doubts about something, whether it's a job or a relationship, it feels like you need to know the answer straight away or something bad will happen. And I really want to emphasize what you said. You just don't need to know right now. And I think this really links actually, and we can maybe bring this back to the being in your 30s thing Mm -hmm. and the age thing, because I think that what happens is that people get into a situation where they're maybe experiencing some relationship anxiety and that's coming through with some doubts and some confusion and maybe a little bit of uncertainty about the future. And then they get this thought of, I need to decide now because I'm running out of time. And I think women experience this a lot, especially if they are at the age, if they if they do want to be a mother in the future and they're thinking of a biological clock, it's definitely, you know, I can say it for myself included, my own personal experience and many of my clients as well. And I think that it the age thing puts a pressure on to want to make everything more urgent and everything have to speed up. And it makes me sad when I say it, actually. I feel like I get emotional when I think about it because I think about the past version of me who was not in a good relationship who, or who was struggling in the relationship and having anxiety, feeling like I needed to, I couldn't wait longer. Like I needed almost to be at an ultimatum with a decision with myself, but at the same time, so scared to finish it because of, oh my God, you know, the the age thing is it was such a big thing for me, obviously as the turning 30 coach. But I'm curious to know, I know you don't, I'm sure you coach women of all ages, but do you see that age as a factor for increased anxiety or even like changed behaviors because of that feeling of time running out? Yeah, it definitely can be. But I do think that across any age spectrum, there's its own sets of anxiety. And so I want to finish that thread of like the the feeling like time is limited. But I'll also just give an example that like people who are young and experiencing relationship anxiety, and I'm just going to say 21 to 24, they're having anxiety because they feel like they don't have enough life behind them to make these decisions or they don't have enough experience. And then at the 30, maybe to 35 age, it's like, well, I feel like I need to make my decision because of this. And I think there's always going to be some sort of factor. And so this, this patience, I I do think it's a practice because at the same time, we have to also check in with ourselves. Like, am I rushing to make a decision because of this? And then like, what if in the future, you know, I'm realizing that I felt like I put myself in that position instead of just like, can I trust that the answer will become more clear? And I'm just turning 30. And so I feel like I can't speak as much to this experience being in a seven-year relationship with Nate. So I don't want to undermine that pressure, but I would kind of check in with yourself of like, am I making this decision from like my own clarity or can I clearly acknowledge these outside factors? And I'm sure a lot of the work you do is like trying to recenter of like how do I want to show up that's actually aligned for me versus like what I think I should be doing and where it gets sticky is like if someone genuinely does want to do that thing and it's not just external pressure but it's like that is their core value so I would almost 
I don't know, I'd be curious just to turn the question back to you of like how you talk to people about that, because I think it's such an important question of, you know, like, how do I really recenter to what I actually am wanting here versus being influenced externally? I I think that it is very much like depends on the situation, but I can give examples of if I have a client and I have a client actually who we're working on, on some of these things at the moment, who is unsure about their relationship and feels that anxiety. And I have to say, it usually comes along with the thought of, I need to decide right now, time is running out. I need to figure out what I'm doing. You know, I'm only just, I'm only getting older. We do some awareness work around understanding how their behavior, how their thoughts, feelings, and behavior has been contributing to their own, like where the way they're showing up in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And obviously that relationship's are energy. So if you're like coming to a, an, a relationship with lots of trying to be covered up anxiety and I call it the one foot in one foot out which I'm sure you're very familiar with then the other person's also going to feed off the energy and then the relationship as an entity is going to actually just not be nurtured in in let's say the correct way but like in a conducive and productive way for the relationship so we really the first step we always do is just reflect and uncover okay how have you client or listener been showing up to contribute not in a blamey way but more in a responsibility in an empowering way to this relationship not being exactly what you thought it might be or wanted it to be at this point and then usually the second thing I get my clients to do is to practice patience and say for at least a month we're going to just work on this and not make any decisions if not more like it will depend obviously on each situation and something always happens in that switch of committing and recommitting and I think that It really shows, again, that point about responsibility of when you take radical responsibility for how you're behaving, it's going to change so much. And we have to let go of the and detach from the response of the other person, because sometimes the other person can't meet you there or sometimes the other person doesn't feed off that energy or has an unexpected response. But I have to say from experience, most of the time when I work with clients on this, they're shocked and surprised at how much the relationship changes once they put both feet in and recenter. I like the word, the word that you used really recentering. And a lot of that also, and I'm sure this is, you know, something you can share as well, comes back to refocusing on yourself. So nourishing yourself. If you suffer with anxiety, you often are really focused, like people pleasing, what are other people thinking of you? What are other people doing? And and you forget to really look at yourself and and I always get clients to really focus on their own self-care practices and also like any somatic work, whether that's things that like breath work and things that would bring you back into your body when you're having anxious episodes, because there's also something that when you're experiencing relationship anxiety, you're so obsessed with the other person and you forget yourself. So they're like the main things that I would say I work with and the patience piece for the thought of I'm running out of time is a huge one. And we always try and reframe that to like, I'm coming to a good decision. I can take time to make this decision. I'm not going to decide tomorrow. I don't need to make an impulsive decision right now. And really try to get to new thoughts that help them just feel more relaxed and comfortable to be in that unknown. It's okay sometimes to just be in a space where you just don't know the future. And we hate that as humans. We hate uncertainty. So yep. that's that's my response. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And when you were speaking, what came to me is something that I talk about with my clients is even if you couldn't guarantee the successful outcome of this relationship, would you still be in it? 
And I think a lot of people are like looking at, well, I want to be in this, like, and I want it to work out. It's like, it's like we are almost thinking about the end result versus the process. Mm. And so almost like shifting out of that outcome-based approach into the process, it's like, well, is this a relationship where like, you're excited to grow with this person? And I don't mean like, you have to be growing like every single moment, but just like, is this a relationship where you see both parties are you know, like putting in that energy and attention to growing. And like, even though there's going to be hard ups and downs, like, are you along for that ride? Or do you only want it to be there when it's like feeling good and perfect? I think a question that actually you can ask yourself about just relationships in general, because whether it's this partner or someone else, it's like, there's going to be speed bumps, there's going to be moments to work through. And so if you're only in a situation, because you want it to be hunky dory all the time, then you're probably going to be feeling a lot of anxiety because if you are, let's say, I'm just going to say 35 and you really want to have kids, it's like, well, the only way you want that relationship to actually be is if it does work out and you stay with this person and you have kids and then you live happily ever after. But it's like, are you happy enough to be in this present moment despite that uncertainty you mentioned and like not knowing how it's going to turn out? And I've had to shift into thinking, well, even if me and Nate don't work out, which I really hope we do, I would not regret being in my relationship. And that's a big mindset shift. Whereas some people, I don't think, I don't know if they could say the same because they only want the end result. Oh my gosh. What you just said now, I feel like I need to like write it down and put it on a piece of paper and just share with everyone. I think it's so important. It's such a powerful question. And I'll also share some some more context is that I, at the age of 35, just a few months after my 35th birthday, I'm in a new relationship. So it's been almost six months. And those first few months, that's when I discovered you, were were really hard because of that exact question of, you know, sometimes it's that fear and I think I definitely will end up recording more content on this. It's the first time I've actually spoken about it into my audience. But that fear that you have when you are 35 or around that age, getting into a new relationship can drive you to constantly focus on the end result. And I had it. And it was like for the first months, it was like, but what if it doesn't work out? And I love the question that you asked of being like, can I just enjoy the present? And then let go of that expectation of it having to work out. And it's basically what really helped me to now be in the healthiest relationship I've ever ever been in. And I think that people, there are hardships of getting into a relationship when you are in your 30s. Like there are, because there's different things at stake. But I do think that it's an amazing time to get into a relationship, especially if you're really working on yourself and you've, you've done this work and you're, you know, you have life experience. Like you were saying before, that people who are younger may have opposite, you know, not as much life experience and also have that worry. We often overlook getting into relationships at different ages and think, wow, actually this is a great age to get into it. But anyway, I just want to really like kind of put a post-it note in what you said, because I think that question is really revealing. And I think that it's a really important question for anyone listening who is wanting to get into a relationship already in one or like years down the line to like recommit and ask that question. Yeah. And I'll just acknowledge, like, I know that there are moments, there were days where I was like, oh my gosh, I can't keep doing this. Like, I don't know if I can live like this any longer, you know, just like very extreme black and white of like, I don't know if I can actually move forward if I keep experiencing this much anxiety. So I don't want people to hear that and say, well, the way it's going right now, like, no, this isn't enjoyable. I don't want to be here. I want them to think about like, yes, of course, 
the end goal in some senses is like to move through anxiety and like feel a sense of like commitment and and healthiness in the relationship. So I don't want to just toss out any idea that you can grow and evolve, but even with anxiety or even with the challenges, can you make peace with that stage or that chapter of where you're at? And I think just knowing that there's so many chapters that can be written in the story of your relationship even though you don't know the outcome, like they don't all have to be rosy colored and rainbows and sunshines. Yeah. And I think that because of Disney movies and fairy tale endings and just in general, this belief that our lives are going to be, like you said, rainbows and, and fairies that we think and we presume that being in a relationship will be this like amazing, incredible love story. And obviously social media makes that like a million times worse now. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's true. Like, I think that's why it's so important the work that you do because you know a lot of people I think who are single and looking to meet someone they presume that as soon as they've met that person that life will just be great and I think it's really important to acknowledge that just because that expectation isn't met that okay maybe you were single and dating and dating was awful and you didn't enjoy it and then you happen to meet someone and now there's also like you said before that it's got flaws and there's issues in the relationship and this person maybe sometimes gives you the ick and you know all these things it doesn't mean it's wrong it's just life like it's this is just how it is the relationship is never going to be 100% perfect you know white knight coming in and rescuing you so it's really important to say that again like you said that doesn't mean settle but it does mean that it's okay to accept that the human experience is to also have some negative emotion Yeah. And I think people, if you're, let's say you're single, you can romanticize being in a relationship. And if you're in a relationship, you can romanticize being single, but there are challenges and gifts to both. And so thinking that one of them is just like so much better than the other, it's like you're missing the full picture. And that's what I try to bring as an approach into my work is like, nothing is all good or all bad. There's nuance and context and different situations. And so Yes, it can be nice to have some time to yourself and to like focus on, you know, understanding yourself better, but you can also do that in a relationship. And then, you know, there's parts about being in a relationship that may be irritating and frustrating, but there's also parts about being single that can be frustrating and irritating. So just like looking at the whole bird's eye view and not just like picking, oh, this is the part of this I want and that's the part of this I want. Yeah. And the grass is always greener thing that we have. It's so funny. I'm in such a unique place in my life right now where I've been single for like a couple of years and also now just got into a new relationship. So I'm really like seeing the both of the the grass is greener. And it's just really interesting because it's true. Like when you're in it, when you're single, you do romanticize love. When you're in love, oh, I know this actually more from my past relationship and you have lots of fear, then you do romanticize being alone. So it's such an important point. I want to talk about settling. I know that we've touched upon it, but I know for a fact that my audience, it's a question they have a lot of how do you know if it's, if you're settling or not? And yeah, I'm just curious to know what your, what your thoughts are about that question when you, when you hear it. Yeah. So I think that there's a difference between settling and settling down. Like settling down is like, okay, like I, I'm kind of choosing, I'm like putting my flag in the sand here. Like I'm choosing to kind of be here and it's like intentional. Whereas settling in the quote, quote, negative terms that we look at it as is like, you know, something is 
maybe going against like your values or like something's not feeling well in the way that you're being treated, but then you're like still choosing to be there. So I think one of them is intentional and maybe helps you feel like committed and kind of getting rid of all of this indecisiveness by just choosing your path. And the other one is a little bit more unintentional and it's like you kind of just fall into that situation. So that's kind of one way of looking at it. But I do think that the grass is greener mentality that you brought up, there's this chase in our society today of like more, 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 better, better, better. And you can always be on that hamster wheel. Like you could be in a very amazing relationship and then still say, well, what if I find someone better? And that mentality, if you don't, you know, like rein it in in some way, that could go on for your whole life. So at some point, if something if something is important to you, like being in a relationship and like growing and having longevity with somebody, you have to make a choice. And the paradox of choice that we have now in our society is like, well, I can just keep swiping and like there's a million other options. But when you have so many choices, it can actually cause more anxiety. But when you do choose to quote, quote, settle or settle down with somebody, you can have more freedom in that because now you kind of know what you're choosing. And I don't know if you've heard this analogy before, but like if someone asks you to just get out a blank piece of paper and just draw anything, it's like, you're like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to draw. But if you have a blank piece of paper and someone says, draw your childhood home, it's like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing here. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to like choosing a path. It's like, okay, you're drawing this specific thing. Like you kind of know where you're going. And then within that, you can still kind of be creative. Whereas when there's this blank sheet of paper and you have no vision, no direction, and you're just trying to chase this like elusive, perfect thing, it can be really overwhelming. I really like the the separation between the settling and the settling down. I think it's really important. And I think something you said reminded me of something I've heard before. I can't remember where of like, if you're really asking if it's settling, you're not actually settling, you're questioning. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're, like you said before, like if you're not aware, like settling, I think happens when people almost like, you know, you settle for things that aren't good enough for them and it's linked to like your self-worth. That's what I see a lot when it comes to settling is that if somebody hasn't done any work on themselves and they don't like have a high sense of self-worth or esteem or self-confidence, they probably wouldn't be in a position to even be like, oh, like, should I have more than this? Because that, that and that to me is what true settling is. Whereas I think a lot of people, exactly like you said, because they experience this constant FOMO and this constant grass is greener and constant like there's more men or women coming just, you know, on the next swipe. That is it. I don't, I agree. I don't think that really is settling. I think it is just an intentional decision to be with a partner that hopefully has those shared values that we were talking about and has the core things that, are important in the compatibility so yeah I really love that definition and I just think that is a really important distinction yeah and I think too like what's missing from our narrative I'd be curious to hear if you resonate with this I'm sure you do as a coach is like I think a lot of people think that it's like you either got it or you don't in a relationship like I'll just go into an example of like sex and intimacy for example like people might say, well, oh, I'm I'm settling because we don't have like the best sex I've ever had or something like that. But it's like, but you can actually work on sex and intimacy and it's vulnerable and it's like messy, but it's like people kind of just think something is fixed. Whereas I try to take that growth mindset approach, which is like, if something's not 
where I want it to be in my relationship. I don't have to go find a new person that has that thing. I can actually sit down and say, hey, let's work on this together. And of course, there's nuance there. Like, I'm not trying to say every single thing you have to try and work through. But I think when it comes to settling, people are so quick to say, well, this thing isn't exactly how I want it to be in my relationship. And they don't realize like part of that is actually they can cultivate that thing or help co-create it with their partner. Yeah. And I think it's exactly what I was talking about earlier on in that episode about how to take responsibility and be an emotional adulthood for the way that you're behaving. And part of that is is knowing, and obviously as coaches, we say this, but you can change your thoughts that you, you can, if it's the right circumstance. So when I, I always, and it's the same way that you gave the kind of caveat at the start of like, you know, I'm not against changing a circumstance. I always say this to clients, like if the circumstance doesn't serve, it doesn't mean just because we know that we can reprogram our mind and, you know, think new thoughts doesn't mean we never want to change the circumstance. Of course we do, especially if it's not serving us and it's, you know, clear why. But if you've established that the circumstance for now is something that you want to be in or want to give it a try at least, then you have the power if you have a person who can meet you there, when we're talking specifically about romantic relationships, you have the absolutely the power to, to change, whether that's sex, whether it's attraction. I also think that attraction can can change and grow and also uh, it's dynamic. It's not always the same. And yeah, I I really think that we, in a society where we've often been taught in relation to love, that it's love at first sight or you know, what's the word sparks or butterflies in your stomach and that lusty, and it has to be constantly like this fireworks. And, you know, in my own experience, when that happens, actually, most of the time isn't even true. It's not even real love. It is just anxiety at the start of a a not good situationship or, you know, the start of a relationship. So I'm a huge believer that you can do the work for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. So we just have a few minutes left. And I guess the last question that I wanted to ask was that, do you have any, like one piece of advice, let's say, or something to say, if somebody's listening now and they're like, wow, I'm experiencing relationship anxiety. I've been in a relationship for X amount of time. I'm not sure if I want to stay or if I want to go. I don't know if it's fair intuition. What would you say to that person? I think earlier what came up feels really important to reiterate is like being patient, but I'll add one thing in addition to that, which is also being gentle with yourself as you're being patient and not shooting yourself or saying like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't feel that way. This is bad. This is wrong. But just trying to be kind to yourself and just trust that there's something within you that is feeling like scared or uncertain and and just, again, like being kind to that because <laughs> it's normal to be scared. And, you know, just because that isn't talked about doesn't mean that it isn't perfectly okay. And I just also want to remind them that they're not alone. And like you acknowledge at the beginning of this, like there's over a hundred thousand people on my page that are resonating with this message. So even if their stories are all unique, there are a lot of commonalities among this experience. And so just knowing that it isn't you as the exception to the rule like there's a lot of other people that are not feeling sure about this and just to trust that and not blame yourself and I want to add to that that it's okay to get support whether that's going to be downloading a webinar or speaking to a coach and a 
in a, another capacity or even just speaking to a friend or a family member and someone that you like can confide in I think that we definitely said this at some point but sometimes there can be so much shame around having relationship anxiety and I think that it's it's normal there's nothing to be ashamed of and I think that you know reaching out for support can feel taboo especially like in the UK and how I grew up it, it's taboo to have therapy and it's, yeah. now it's taboo to have a coach to talk about it but it's available to you so that's the only thing that I would add in the end and on that note a nice segue into how can my listeners find out more about you and your amazing content Mm, well thank you for that so I actually just started a podcast as well it's the you love and you learn podcast so definitely check that out I have my website you love and you learn.com which has various options of how to work with me, but also a hundred plus blog posts on the topic. So I have a lot of like free content to dive into, but if you want to get more support, I do have the incompatibility webinar I talked about. I also have a webinar around, is it anxiety or intuition? And those are very popular. And then my digital course, Deconstruct the Doubts, which is self-paced. So you can kind of work through these topics on your own or coaching with me. So all of that is on my website at youloveandyoulearn.com and you can just explore and see if anything feels like a fit. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming and it's been such a pleasure to have this conversation. Really important one. So thank you so much and I'll see everyone on the podcast next week. 